Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. to hear that's what I like to hear for this is the day the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it so where were you yesterday ah uh, yesterday was let's talk about it Tuesday church folk day and uh, ooh, what a conversation we had yesterday The ultimate question was, can a pastor preach, minister, but ultimately lead while living in an abusive relationship? So it started off with an attorney who uh, her sole focus of her, you know, existence in the you know, uh, court world, was to help with domestic violence uh, cases. She helped to get the court orders, the protective orders, and even helped with some mental commitments. And unfortunately, uh, her husband ended up killing her. So she actually died to a domestic violence situation herself and you know it, it's a little hard to uh, to even envision this because you have this woman who you know she had access to all kinds of uh, you know uh, you know help and listen if you're the one who is helping other people 
then you have access to all the help that you possibly need. And without us, you know, knowing any of the finer details, you know, it's it's something to talk about because if you're living in it, you know, did you get a chance to run? Um, did he just one day wake up and he was mental without any warning? So, it's, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow and, and nobody's criticizing her. But, you know, if you're living in it, then the first person who should be able to uh, get out is a person who's close to it. But as we know, you know, things don't always work out like that. You know, things, you know, don't always work out where, you know, even the, the profession that you are in helps you in a situation that you may be in. So, you know, we got to talk about that. And, you know, it thus it kind of flowed down to, you know, the clergy, you know, where we're consistently, you know, giving people advice and encouraging them and, um, you know, giving them the, the way, showing them the way, leading those horses to water. And yet there are times when the preacher or the uh, leader themselves is living in an abusive relationship. And, you know, you know, it was said that, you know, well, God can use anybody and, you know, even at a certain level, you know, we still can be used. And it's, it's absolutely true because that's what we live through every day. You know, the, the whole uh, concept of, you know, we can live through our pain and preach through our pain. Absolutely. Because many a day, you know, as a leader or a preacher, you're in distress. But you've got to get up and give that, you know, that, that sermon. You've got to teach that Bible class. You've got to encourage that individual when they walk up to you and they ask you a question. You know, you can't very well say, listen, I'm going through my own stuff right now. Go talk to so-and-so. No, you know, God gives you what you need to press forward. However, we're not talking about that. We're talking about living in this world of abuse. And if you listen to Is Due Time with Pastor Steph on a regular basis, you will hear me say, in an abusive relationship, if you are the abused, God gets no glory out of your life because you're living in fear. You don't speak up. You're afraid of what they may do, where they may pop up, um, because they're so volatile. You don't know what's a safe word or what's not a safe word, even going to the store and um, doing normal things. It's, it's, there's no comfort in that. You know, some women have been prevented from even going to church. Some men have been in an abusive relationship and have been prevented from going to just very, just a very um, option of worshiping God. They've been forbidden to do. 
So, you know, as a person who has lived in an abusive, you know, um, relationship, that's been a part of my life for, you know, quite a bit of time. It wasn't when I knew God, not at all. Um, However, I can tell you that in that state of mind, living in that world, there is no way that you can get up and give some sermon or every single week you can function with encouraging people every day. Um, the things that a normal pastor would do, you can't do. You can't do. You're not free to go where you need to go. You're not free to talk to who you need to talk to. Some people are forbidden to even speak to their family. I mean, it gets that bad. And you wonder how. How does it get that bad if you're a person living for the Lord? Well, to be honest, I don't know. I can't answer that particular question. Because like I said, that wasn't my experience. But know for sure that that is not something that God can really use you. That's not a point where God can really use you. Now, one might say, well, you know, why would God allow something like that to happen? And uh, I can't answer that either. I can't answer that either. However, I do know that you need to take a pause. You need to take a sit down and go over in the corner and deal with this issue. Separate from it. And let him get some help or her. You go get some help. Your children may not may need some help based on, you know, the activity level around your children. And uh, you come back to the table when God says it's time. Because that is definitely not something that the Lord wants for your life, period. And, and that is not something that God can use you through. You are not going to be able to serve his people properly. You're not going to be able to serve his people to the fullest. You're not going to be able to serve God's people accurately or effectively until you take care of that problem. Now, your your first um, item of business is to separate. Then let God tell you what to do after that. You know, it doesn't mean divorce if you're married. Nah, well, hopefully you're married if you're in the pulpit and you're, you know, living that life. Is it where you should divorce? Not necessarily. You know, but you cannot go back into that situation being abused. And if that person doesn't find their way to Christ, then maybe you will have to, you know, divorce. But, again, what happens after you leave is up to God. And you have to listen for him real carefully. Because as of that point, you have a lot of people whispering in your ear. A lot of people whispering in your ear. 
And I'm going to tell you something. From uh, history shows, the church has not always given the best advice. So, you know, that's why I said listen for God. Let God tell you what to do going forward. There was a really good, good conversation yesterday. Um, giving God thanks for, you know, us being able to even minister to you on that level. That when you deal with the due time crew, you got a little bit of everything going on. You know, the, the life's experiences. What one has an experience, the other has. So, you know, you're going to get a wealth of information here. So I encourage you to tell a friend. You know, let them know what goes on here. Because this is some life-saving, life-changing information. You know, we do a lot of laughing. But we are very serious when it comes to the Lord. All right. All right. That's how we spent our Tuesday. Well, today is Wow Wednesday. And, uh, you know how we do it over here on Wednesdays. It's Lady Day. The ladies have their say. And uh, I don't know what Vivian is going to pull out of Pandora's box this morning that will change the trajectory of our conversation today. But I do know it will be good and thought-provoking. So let's take some time to go get that healthy breakfast. Uh, Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on and uh, no matter what you do go nowhere because we'll be right back the human voice it can be sweet as music powerful as thunder and so my fellow Americans but not for millions with COPD this serious lung disease makes it hard to breathe (laughs) and many who have COPD don't know it that's where your voice comes in if you or a loved one have symptoms, talk with a health care provider and join us in raising our voices for the millions with COPD who can't. Learn more, breathe better at copd.nhlbi.nih.gov. Morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to the Zoo Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday over here. Yeah. And you know what that means. You know what that means. You know, I always like to say, people call it hump day. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to get to the other side of the week. And aren't we blessed 
to be able to, you know, get there without even thinking about it. Yeah, you know, we got our girlfriends Vivian with the socially conscious segment. We got our women of worship. We finish off the morning with our faith over fear segment. Wow, we're loaded over here on Wednesdays. And, you know, we give God thanks that he has safely brought us through to the middle of the week. And um, I'm happy. I don't know about you, but I'm happy. All right, so I'm sure you don't want to hear from me more than you want to hear from Vivian at this time. So let's say good morning to our girl, Viv. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph? I am well. Thank you, Vivian. How are you this morning? I'm fine, thank you. (laughs) All right. What you got for us this morning? All right, today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with some very interesting news. Apparently, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is considering a federal ban on gas stoves in response to a growing body of scientific research that has linked gas range stoves to a variety of health problems. That's just crazy to me. (laughs) Last week, a study in the peer review International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health concluded that gas stoves, which are used in roughly 40% of U.S. homes, were responsible for 12.7% of childhood asthma cases in the country. In all, the study found gas stoves are responsible for giving asthma to 650,000 children in the U.S. Ain't that something? We all have grown up in homes with gas ranges and currently have children growing up in homes with gas stoves, and now all of a sudden they are causing or they have been linked to causing health problems. They're saying when gas stoves are turned on and when it's burning at the hottest temperature, it releases a number of air pollutants, things like um, particulate matter, carbon monoxide, and nitrogen dioxide, along with other things. So, for example, nitrogen dioxide is known to cause respiratory irritants, and the EPA... Um, in 2016 said that short-term exposure to NO2 causes respiratory effects like asthma attacks. So the agency will begin public comment sessions this winter as it begins weighing restrictions on gas range stoves that have been found to be harmful to human health. So there's currently no timeline as to when this will all take place, but If you have a gas stove, be prepared to possibly be receiving notice of gas stove bans and maybe even um, receiving a new electric stove funded by the government. I personally prefer gas stoves over electric ones, 
because they just don't seem to cook as good or as fast a lot of the times. But apparently, <laughs> gas stoves is bad for your health. Next, we have your boy Eric Adams in headlines. According to reports, there are millions of square feet of New York City office space that he is saying could be converted to residential real estate capable of holding up to 40,000 people. This conversion could take place under a new proposal from the Adams administration aimed at the homeless crisis. He's, <coughs> excuse me, they're saying that the 11-point plan crafted by the Office Adaptive Reuse Task Force and proposed on Monday says it will require changes to both state laws and city zoning requirements, but if successful, that could mean enough space to house 40,000 people, according to Adams. The Adams administration's proposal would give owners of the targeted buildings the option of converting their underutilized office space into housing, which could possibly be opening up jobs. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't say what they would do if said building owners would not want to use their space for housing, though. So, of course, this plan needs to be flushed out a little bit more. But finally, there's been a decent proposal. Um, to me, it's a pretty decent idea. Hopefully, they consider fire escape plans and all that type of things. But this is a potential and it's definitely giving hope. You know, we've been talking about the homeless crisis and how they just don't seem to care. We've heard a lot of crazy things. They're putting shipping containers out there and, you know, some silly things like that. But this one actually does seem like a good idea. There's a lot of space out there that is being underused. So good for him. Next, there's also hope for the mentally ill as well. According to reports, Hutchins plans $1 billion investment in mental health care in New York City um, with more than 3,200 New Yorkers struggling with severe mental illness, living on streets and in the subways. Governor Kathy Hutchins announced a $1 billion plan to address the dire mental health crisis in the state. <coughs> Excuse me. Hutchell said her plan will add a 1,000 beds for inpatient psychiatric, psychiatric treatment and create 3,500 housing units in the state's mental health care system. This multi-year plan will, be will also increase insurance coverage for the mentally health services, expand outpatient services, and create greater accountability in hospital admissions and discharges. State licensed hospitals will be directed to reopen 850 inpatient beds that have went offline during the pandemic. The state also would create 150 new adult beds in state-operated psychiatric hospitals, including 100 in New York City. So Hutchu has said that the plan would also provide mental health services in for the children and plans to cut the mental health needs among children by at least half in the next five years. 
So New Yorkers suffering with addiction, especially to opioids, which is definitely becoming a big problem these days. They will also be included in this initiative. So she's thought about a lot of things, you know. They're making some moves for the mentally ill. They're making some moves for the homeless. So, again, definitely giving us some hope on a lot of these issues that we've been bringing forth. So good for them. Our next story is going to require some follow-up. But I came across a story to replace the one that passed the Stephanie stole from me it was a six-year-old who was trying to take out her teacher so this story we have a 12-year-old now in custody for stabbing her younger brother according to the reports the unnamed 12-year-old woke her parents up in the middle of the night late um thursday night telling them that she had just stabbed her nine-year-old brother when officers arrived at the scene, paramedics and firefighters were already performing CPR on the boy. Um, he was rushed to the hospital, but later pronounced dead. The 12-year-old um, was taken into custody and is being held at the Family Center of Juvenile Justice. Police said the agency's Child Crisis Unit is now handling the investigation. And there is currently no word as to why she killed her nine-year-old brother. So I will definitely have to keep, you know, tabs on the story and follow up on this and keep you all posted. If it was the other way around, I would think that something was going on in the middle of the night and she decided to defend herself. But I, I, I don't know. She's older, so it would definitely be interesting to see why, why she decided to do this to her brother. Um, so, again, I'll just keep you all posted on this story. And now we have our wow story of the week. Some people just don't know how to take breakups well, and this listener-submitted story is just so sad. You always hear people tell women, don't entertain men um, that you don't want to be with or be bothered with. But unfortunately, that life lesson took a turn for the worse for 23-year-old Shadela Johnson. According to reports, a man reportedly confessed to police that he shot his ex-girlfriend 15 times in the back because she refused to answer his phone calls and texts since ending their relationship. Johnson's father told police his daughter was headed to work on Tuesday, December 20th at around 7.45 a.m. Once she left their home, um, he heard a series of gunshots causing him to look out the window. That's when he saw his daughter. Um, no, that's when he saw Jones, the ex-boyfriend, peering from behind his daughter's car. Her father said he went outside to investigate and saw his daughter laying face down on the ground, surrounded by a pool of blood in front of her car. Police were called and paramedics rushed Johnson to the hospital where she could not be resuscitated and died from her injuries. But here's the thing that got me. According to investigators, Johnson and Jones were in a relationship for five months and had reportedly been living together until their breakup two weeks before the shooting. Jones told detectives detective that he was angry because Johnson wasn't picking up his calls or answering his text messages. 
He knew her work schedule and where she lived, so he confronted her, and um, they got into a heated argument. She went to turn away and go back into the house, and that's when he began to shoot her, shooting her 15 times in her back as she was walking away. He allegedly also told police that if he had an opportunity to do it all over again, he would not only kill her, but her father as well. And it's definitely a shame. Again, we've been told, I know I've heard it a lot in my, you know, as I was coming up, to not entertain people. If you don't want to be bothered with them, don't answer their texts, don't don't, don't answer their calls, you know, just close all lines of communication. They'll get the point. But unfortunately for her, you know, that, that did not work out in her favor. He would not, you know, take no for no. And she winded up losing her life after being in a, Five month relationship. That that that's just crazy. But this has been Vivian with the socially conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian B. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you as always to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Step. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. I just need a little clarity, please, on the last, on the wild story. Now, you said they had been together for five months. And how long had they lived together? Um, It doesn't say how long they lived together. It just says that they were living together and broke up two weeks before the shooting. So it doesn't say mm. at what point in there. And their five-month okay. relationship, they decided to move in together. Okay, so two weeks after the breakup. Yeah, two weeks after the breakup, and that's when the, sh- the shooting happened. Okay, okay, okay. I think I got all the other information I need. From, but always, as always, I say thank you, and please stick around, uh, you know, for... Uh, any clarity we may lose. We pray you have a blessed day, Vic. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Okay. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Oh, all right. It's time to talk to our ladies. Let's say good morning to Elder Nightisha. Good morning, Elder Nightisha. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, beautiful people, beautiful ladies. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am blessed. Thank you so much. Good. How are good, you? Good. I, I'm actually well, thank you. I'm actually well. Uh, we're going to be parting from our little getaway today. So back to business. Uh. Um, <laughs> but I, I would like for you to give us an update on uh, little Jacob, please. Uh, thank you. I, I certainly do appreciate that. Um, yesterday, Jacob um, received his port um, to begin his uh, chemo sessions. Um, so, you know, everyone is scared. The family is um, is praying and, and believe in God. And to see his innocence, um, you know, he, he doesn't even really fully understand what um, right. he's getting ready to have to face. 
So his treatment plan will consist of 42 weeks of chemotherapy. Wow. Um, and the reason the reason for that is because they're going to do uh, smaller doses um, over a longer increment of time in order to try to preserve his quality of life later on. Okay. So we're okay. hoping that, um, you know, that that, that, that does help, but they've prepared us for the fact that he will no longer, he, he won't be himself. He will lose all of his hair. Um, he's going to be lethargic. Um, so seeing that vibrant little boy go from that to, you know, what they're describing, uh, we're just holding our breath. So please continue to pray for him. We would definitely continue to keep him lifted in prayer. You know, I was envisioning the picture you sent. And, um, Shantice and I just looked at the picture and we were smiling at his little face. You know, and then you used the words that we used, you know, like he doesn't even understand, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what is ahead of him. But we give God thanks that uh, even this option is available, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that God will bring him through accordingly. God will bring him through according to his will. So you definitely uh, have our prayers on a continued basis and um, not to pry in family business, but, you know, Mm -hmm. even in private you know, would love to hear, you know, how he's doing. So Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Okay. Oh, just a move. All right. Oh, boy. Speaking of children, you know, amazingly, um, you know, I tell you, if you think about all the things, we talk about this all the time here, on a due time. When we think about all the things that they tell us no longer to do um, because it affects the children, X, Y, and Z way and, and A, B, and C way, and to think that they're now saying that gas stoves um, have been responsible for 650,000 um, asthmatics who are children. And now I do need to know from Vivian. Vivian, please clear this up for me. Now, are we saying the mixed stoves, you know, the ones that we're using now that are gas electric stoves, or are we talking about fully, you know, full gas stoves? When I first moved into um, my home back in 94, that's what we had, a full gas stove. Um, and I'm wondering, and I meant to ask you that, so I apologize. I meant to ask, are we talking about the mixed stoves, um, or are we talking about the ones that are straight gas? Because I know you did mention, Vivian, that, you know, um, they will be contacting people and letting, you know, it must be, you know, looking for conversion. Um, and to switch out your stove. I know years ago that's what they did with the oil um, furnaces, 
they did this initiative for clean gas um, boilers, and they were switching them out for free because they wanted us to stop using, well, I didn't have it, but for those of us who did use petrol, you know, the oil. And here we are with this um, belief that this is, can you imagine, now the 650000 is only what they know about. How many other children have been affected, and you don't even have a clue. I don't know, Elder teacher. what are we talking about here? Oh, my God, they said don't use alcohol anymore. The child has a fever, don't do this, don't do that. And now here we are with the stove. Yeah, I I, you know what, I think as in a lot of things, what we are seeing over a period of time is the damage that, you know, um, and the, the lack of just knowledge and understanding in, you know, early days when we were using, you know, these products and using, I mean, well, specifically the stove, like use, utilizing the stove and even the heat. You know, I shared with you all, how um, in the Bronx specifically there was a building that um, there were a number of people who uh, were being diagnosed with lung cancer. And so when they traced to what was happening, why in this specific building where there's so many people being diagnosed with lung cancer, come to find out it was the type of oil being used to heat that building. So anyone who wow, had lived in the wow, building for wow. over 15 years wow, um, wow. developed lung cancer. And so when, you know, they were asked about why, you know, that was the heat that they were using or the wow. source, the oil source, the, the statement they gave was these people in this building are on Section 8 and we can't afford to use Ooh. quality oil. <laughs> wow. And so things... Things like this um, are not wow. are not uncommon. I think as we continue to learn about things, we find that oh wait, this this what we've been exposing our families to was was harmful and and dangerous. And so you wow. know, I, I, yeah. Wow, really? They literally came out and said that because it was like a subsidized housing. That they couldn't mm-hmm. afford to get other. Oh my gosh! So just kill us because yep. we're not rich. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. much. Yeah, pretty much. And so I think crazy. I think the moral I think <laughs> I think the moral of that of the story is simply that as we evolve and as we continue to grow and learn, you know, about things, we're realizing that things that you know we didn't know yesterday is harmful to us today. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and thus the conversation that continually comes up, Elder Natisha, of look at how God has covered us. If you think it's mm-hmm. only sixty-five thousand, how many people were actually exposed but did not, you know, uh, develop an asthma issue? You know, like I said, yeah. we we uh, I remember um, uh, taking she was little taking Shantice to the emergency room, and she had this high, high fever. And um, I used alcohol, you know, because that was always the thing, you know, rub the child down with alcohol. And the nurse was like, okay, we can't do, we don't do that anymore. Because they found that 
when you rub the child down with alcohol that it brought the fever down so quickly, it shifted the body temperature so fast that it, the children were having seizures. And again, you would, how many, I mean, how many generations, mm-hmm. you know, went mm-hmm. through that and, you know, grandma, great grandma would tell, you know, run that baby down with some alcohol. And like you said, as the years went by and as the studies, um, you know, and, and the development um, of, of what was going on was exposed, you then had to take the shift and just give God thanks at, at how many times he covered, you know, how many lives did he mm-hmm. cover? And so, yeah, know, this is what will, like you said, this is what will happen um, to get some clarity. Vivian said that it is the the, the fully the full gas stove, like the one I said mm-hmm. that when I moved in, mm-hmm. um, not the dual electric gas stoves, um, and maybe you know the ones that are electric gas stoves, they don't emit the same amount of um, toxins that the, right. the gas stove does. So that's why they would be safer. Um, I was getting ready to say, oh, speaking of which, while we're on this topic, years ago, we used to turn the oven on, open up the door, and heat your home. Yes. If something happened. That's right. To your boiler. Right. Or if something happened to, you know, the heat in the house. Now they're telling you, mm-hmm. for years they've been telling you, don't do that. Put a pot of um, water on the mm-hmm. stove and let the water, the steam, it's a slower process, but it's a safer process because, again, mm-hmm. when you open, oh, my gosh, Elder and I teach you, you're now talking about the open gas stove that now that somebody yes. wasn't, you weren't able to cook. Now you remember opening up those oven doors and exposing yes. the family to, oh, my gosh. And remember, this is well before carbon monoxide detectors. Oh, my God. That's right. Do you think That's about right. the hand of God on how yeah. many lives? So please, mm-hmm. as a warning, for those of you who may not have heard, please, if you have something wrong with your heat, put a, you know, use those four eyes on the stove and fill it up with water. And turn it on, let those steam from the boiled water heat, and it does work. It does work. So please, um, you know, as we develop these uh, tidbits, please share them with us, and we will definitely Mm -hmm. pass this information along. Uh, Thank you for joining us this morning, Elder Nitesha. Let's say good morning to our lady, Tamika. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning to our ladies. Good morning to everybody. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you. I'm well. Thank you. How are you over there today? I am well. I am well. I am well. Giving God thanks for that. Giving God thanks. So we're talking about, you know, this, uh, gas stove that is responsible for many asthmatic children, thousands, almost a million uh, asthmatic children. And um, 
you know, how, oh, gosh, this has been going on for how long and no one knew it. I have to honestly say that um, as a child, you know, or as an adult who had childhood asthma, um, I believe it, you know. Um, there are so many different things you think about, you know, now that I'm older, it makes sense. Because when you think about it, as a homeowner, um, you have to have somebody come and check your boiler, your furnace on a yearly basis. They do that, you know, annually. However, when you mm-hmm. live in an apartment, nobody's checking to see if the, you know, if if your if your um, apparatus is working accurately. Um, are there gas leaks? You know, you don't think about it. Every time you turn on the gas, you smell something. You know, in your area, what 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 is it that you know? How how high do you turn your gas? You know, I know somebody. Every time that they cook, I don't care what they're cooking. They're cooking eggs. The fire is as high as it can possibly be. They're cooking chicken. The chicken, you know, the, the grease is, you know, the fire is as high as it can be. You never use a lower setting. You know, then you think about it. With certain types of stoves, um, you have that tat, 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 as soon as you turn on the fire. You know, that shouldn't, your, your apparatus shouldn't tap the whole entire time. Maybe to turn it on. But the whole entire time, I don't think that that's safe. You know, and so who's gardening, you know, not gardening, who's, who's being guardian over what's happening with the, with, with the apparatus? You know, I, there, there, I remember as a child going to visit an aunt's house, and whenever I got there, you know, the heat was so high, and, you know, the, you got to open up the window. So, of course, that's not safe, you know. Um, and then I remember as a child, you know, when, the heat went out for whatever reason. We did that. You know, we opened up the oven, you know, we turned on the stove, and that was that, you know. And even with the pots on the stove, here we go. We're, we're, it's not at a low setting. You've got it as high as it possibly can so you can get those pots going as fast as it can, and it can't be safe. You know, the breathing, it can't be safe. You know, you're, you're, you're inhaling fumes, whether it's the fire or even the, the fumes from the water being heated, you know, it, it can be, I remember as a child literally standing in front of the stove, my brother and I, you know, warming our hands because for whatever reason, the house, you know, the apartment, because at that time we were living in an apartment, the apartment, you know, the, the heat wasn't working. So there's all these types of things. Oh, here's the other thing that I'm thinking about. Um, I forgot, you know, as a child, at the last minute, I said, oh, mom, my shirt needs to be washed. So you, you remember the time yeah, when you washed something at the yes. last minute? And you lay yep. that over the chair and you sit the chair That's in front right. of the oven. These are yep. all of those type of things, yep. you know, as I was talking about. I was yep. like, wow, you know how many times I waited to the last day of mom, I need my socks washed. Can you wash them real quick, you know, before I go yep. to school? So, of course, you know, the iron's only going to do so much. You sit it in front of the oven, you open up the oven, you know, you put it yep. on the chair, put the towel on the chair and sit the, sit the you know, whatever it is yep. that needs to be dried on top of the chair. There's all kinds of things that we've done. For the year. And so, you know, I I can understand that, you know, and it doesn't surprise me that, you know, it hasn't been done, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll chime in as well with Elder Natisha. These these NYCHA homes, they are not guarding them as they should. There's a whole lot of things that we are not privy to. And um, a lot of times you only get the information by someone who's living in that type of environment. And, and I tell you, these people have learned to deal with whatever they're given 
But the things that they're given, that that's not fair to anybody, to any human being. No, no. And and to even use that openly as an excuse is is scary. But you're right. You know, I think about when you as soon as you said it. Yep, when you needed like a thinner shirt, dried. <laughs> oh Lord, you would put it in front of the the, the open oven. Oh my goodness gracious! I just I tell you, every once in a while, you just come across the thought that, oh well, thank you, Lord. How many times have you covered us? Because ooh, we should have been dead a long time ago. Oh my goodness gracious! Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Lady Tamika, let's say good morning to Shantice and see what she's thinking about this morning. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. All right. What, what, what's your thought on this uh, asthmatics at this level, you know, over the course of the year? I think we all have a claim we could put in get some money. Because just listening to this, it does make you go back and think of all of the times, you know, you didn't do it to be, you know, like go against the grain. Like, listen, I know we shouldn't be doing this, but these are the circumstances and we have to do it. You know, nothing was ever really brought up that you shouldn't have this, you shouldn't consume that, you shouldn't, you know, do this. So now, you know, those of us, we haven't been told by a doctor that there's something wrong, but you know there's something wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's like, like you said, Patrick, Steph, we've been doing this for years, or we've had these things for years, and now, you know, it's coming up. So, you know, we've got to say, okay, you know, I covered you, and now there has to be a change in, you know, the type of boiler you have, the type of stove you have, you know, what you do with the stove. You know, it's like, okay, now it's, it's just time for for a change, but it. I can very well see how it could have contributed to a lot of health issues, whether drastic health issues or, you know, things that may have just remained minor. I definitely can see how it could have caused a lot of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, it's, it's again, it's a scary thing because you think about, you know, how danger is just looming, you know, and just – all around us, and you have no clue as to, you know, what you're exposed to. You have no clue as to, you know, the dangers that you're walking in and under. And, again, you know, we just want to give God thanks for, you know, just covering us, just watching over us, just, you know, being there as that shield, you know, to uh, protect us um, at all times. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right. What else did Vivian give us this morning? Uh, All right. Well, finally, 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 finally. Yes. I'm saying that because Eric Adams is finally speaking. And, um, you know, now we're talking about converting some unused or underused, you know, real estate um, to, you know, kind of convert into living space. And, um, 
is this finally a viable suggestion, Lady Leticia? I'm, I'm sorry, Lady Tamika. Um, it's it's about time, you know. Um, the the sad part about that whole thing, the way that I view it, is you've had homeless people for as long as homeless has ever been, you know. And it's sad that now that other people are coming in from other places, now you think about it. Now you're trying to help, you know. And so the the sad part about it is. All of this should have started um, prior to, or at least, if not if not prior to the pandemic, then during the pan- pandemic, because there were a lot of people that were newly homeless because they couldn't meet, you know, th- they couldn't meet the ends, you know, they they couldn't pay their bills, they couldn't take care of things. But at least now you're finally taking it in um, the right direction. However. As you're taking care of those that are coming in, please, and I keep saying it, please don't forget those who've been here prior to you. Absolutely, absolutely. We talked about this yesterday with, um, you know, the the the, uh, the bus, the two busloads of people who came, the how do they call it, the asylum seekers who came over who came over from the um from Colorado come from Colorado, excuse me. And now, you know, they're like, Okay, well we don't have any more space in the hotels. You have to go to the shelters. I'm like, Well, wait a minute. We don't have any more space. Our homeless people don't know nothing about living up in no hotels. So they mm-hmm. get hotel stay while we get the subway and the street days, and now you're telling them, um, well, you know, you have to go to the new, you know, you have to go to the homeless um, shelter system, and you're feeling that there's an activist who's, you know, speaking up for the asylum seekers, and now she's feeling bad because this is what we have to offer. And we always talk about our poor veterans, who have given their lives for the country and come back and found nothing. So, yeah, this is something that should have been in effect a long time ago when we've talked about how much real estate, how many abandoned buildings, how uh, just this open space that can be used that um, one somebody brought up yesterday that has been used, you know, to, to put – up these, you know, um, what do you call this thing on? Up this this housing, and or these houses, these homes, and we know that everybody doesn't want a quote unquote, you know, shelter um, system in their neighborhood, and you know, we we know that we know that, and not every homeless person is going to go into a shelter. We know that too, but surely, you know, this is something that is long overdue. Uh, Shanti. What you got? This just sounds like the like one of those parents who like they really don't care about their kids, but when other people bring their kids around for show, they like to act like they care about their kids so they can be nice to the other people's kids so that the parents could be cool with them. That's what it sounds like. 
Because there's no way you could be oblivious to the issues we have with all of the people who do not have a place to live. But yet you're expending yourself. You've become a yes man to now have other people come here and you provide those opportunities for outsiders but not for the people that you have sworn to take care of first. It's just amazing. It's like this has everything to do with popularity. I want to be popular with the other states. I want to be popular with the other country or whatever the situation is. But you, they, he really don't care about the homeless people either. You know, but it's what can I now gain by being cool with the powers that be on that side? So in order to be cool with the powers that be on that side, I'm going to take care of their people. But you're not realizing how much you're showing that you really don't care about people because your own people are not taken care of. But it is just, it, people keep calling him out on this, you know, regardless of the fact that you ain't got to sweet talk me, you ain't got to like me. This, this, this is your job. We ain't got to be friends. But because I am a citizen, I, I, what were they saying at one point? I grew here. I grew here. I did not fly here. You know, this is where, you know, you're obligated to take care of us. Just do what you're supposed to do for me. And if there's, you know, a little extra, who am I to say that's crazy for you to now help someone else who needs help? But all of this overextending everything to, you know, it, it just reminds me of that. Like, I really don't care, but because I see what I can gain from this, now let's make it happen. Wow. Wow. All right. What a thought. What, what an analogy. And once she said that, it made it made every bit of sense. Uh, when you think about it, <laughs> it does make uh, uh, it does look like the comparison to the the, the parents in the home. Elden I Tisha, is this long overdue? Oh, we lost Elden I Tisha. Um, um, you know, I wanted I to speak to. Shantice's point, if that's okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so take that scenario, and you are now responsible for five more children. For each child, you're getting money. So, you know, you're going to treat those children, you know, as long as you get that money, it doesn't really matter. So you, if you think that these asylum seekers are coming in, and nobody's getting any money. I'm sorry, you know. I, I, I you, you can't tell me that. You know, it's, you can't even tell me it's popular. Honestly, I believe, and we're not seeing it, but there's some type of finances for every person that's coming in. There's a dollar coming out. Now, where's the dollar coming from when these people are supposed to be coming from impoverished? And I'm not saying it's not. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's not because yesterday. Um, uh, 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 news report was saying that he's now going to press Biden for more money because he's been smashed here in New York with all of these asylum seekers. So where is this money coming from when they're supposed to be coming from lands where they ain't got no money, they doing bad, um, the, 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 the circumstances in which they're living are really horrible, Where's the money coming from? 
I don't know where it's coming from, but I honestly, you can't tell me <laughs> just that in the kindness of your heart that that is what you're doing. I just don't believe. I'm sorry. I've gotten to the point where, you know, and, and it could be a perk. You know, it could be a perk. It, uh, if, you, if you take these such and such, you know, I'll give you such and such. You know, I'll give you access to such and such. You can get this. You know, but I just honestly don't believe that, you know, you're just going to do that and still not take care of home first. I, I, I can't, I, I just, honestly, nothing in me tells me that that's what you're doing. And I, that's, that's where my head is. My head is not more money than it is some level of exchange between the two countries that we don't know anything Absolutely. about. Uh-huh. But I'm thinking, I ain't thinking no dollar. I'm thinking, what have you um, 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 exchanged for these bodies and us taking these people? And that's why I say... You know, we can't speak for what goes on behind closed doors because we don't know what kind of arrangements these these countries are making, you know, between them, you know, amongst themselves. So I I do agree with you, actually, um, uh, Lady Tamika, just not the dollar. Um, uh, Elder Natisha, how do you weigh in on this there? Not, I don't know. My phone and everything just went out, and so I I didn't hear the question. I didn't hear. Okay, we're talking about the um, Eric Adams, who is now mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 realizing that all of this underused business real estate oh, right. can now be mm-hmm. converted to housing, you know, um, for the homeless and um, you know, mm-hmm. he said, you know, he can maybe get them some contracts. This would build more jobs, blah, blah, blah. Right. Got it. Gotcha. Um, <sighs> I mean, I think the, uh, finally, right, like to your point, finally, um, he's actually, you know, doing something about, um you know, this situation and have come up with something that is not self-centered, <laughs> yes. um, that has come up with something that, that really can um, help and be impactful for the community. Because I do think that this is part of the war against mental illness, right? This is part of the war against homelessness. So if we say that we want our streets cleaned up, if we say we want to safely be able to ride the subways, then being able to find spaces and places for these people become important. To the to the conversation um, that I felt like I heard you guys having about the asylum seekers, you know, them coming into this country um, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's very dicey, and I don't think that we know all the ins and outs as to yep. why all of a sudden we've become a country yep. that was that has right. such open arms. We've not been a country to have such open arms, right? Isn't that the reason right. why right. we built the wall at the right. border? Like, right? Yeah, so man. All of a sudden, we have these open arms. So I do think that there is something else happening, something else going on that we are not um, aware of um, that is allowing, allowing for this to happen. And I do think that, yes, what that means is less benefits because if there is a budget specific for that's um, right for homelessness, right. for welfare, for Medicaid, well, now you're decreasing that budget because it has to spread 
you know, amongst a larger group of people. And so now when you think about Americans who are here and who were born here, who, you know, have been utilizing uh, these services, now having to kind of take some type of cut, whereas they Mm -hmm. already were having challenges and difficulties with the amount that they were already receiving. Now, for someone that you opened your arms to let in to come into this country, I got to split mine with them. And I don't think that's fair. And I don't think, um, you know, that that, that's okay. But I, I do think that, again, if we were just tackling, if we were just tackling our homeless situation in hopes of making New York City, the five boroughs, a safer place, that would be outstanding because we've been asking for that. We've been needing that. We've been wanting to, you know, to see these things happen. It's unfortunate, though, that it's not until foreigners come in that all of a sudden we can find ways, you know, to, um, to take care of them. But we could not for years find ways to take care of our own. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I want you ladies to, to, to tell me what you think. I just think this is just a man without a plan. I, 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 everything everything seems to be smacking him like he don't know, he wasn't aware. You talk about the Rikers Island issue. This Rikers Island issue has been going on forever. How do you mm-hmm. come in as a mayor, and you like, oh, well, give me a chance to work on this, you know, issue. Don't take it and give it to the feds. You know, I haven't had a chance. You talk about the homeless. has been going on forever, this homelessness. Every, the, 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 the bursting of the seams in the school system, the fact that the schools don't have the budget that they need. Where have you been that you would actually run for office and the moment you get in, it's like, like that. Because there was at one point he made a statement. Oh, I didn't realize that the crime level was that high. Well, where are you been? I don't understand. What are you doing when you running for office? You just running for office and you living and residing somewhere in another country. You just don't know what's going on here. I don't know, lady Tamika. Is it me? Well, I was particularly, you know, <clears throat> excited about him prior to coming in office because there were all these things that you were doing for the police department, you know, and, and, and you could see, you know, I thought, here's the thing, I viewed, or in my mind, I thought that because you could see from the, you know, from the foot, right, being right in the middle or the heart of things, that you knew what was going on. And so when we put you in office, I'm thinking, okay, at that point, you know, now because you're literally right in the midst, of, right in the crux of it, that you can see, you know, I, I, I'm not understanding how now you are not able to, oh, I didn't know it was that. You don't have, so prior to this, you never rode a subway? And then when you did ride the subway, <laughs> you had armed guards, you had all of these people around you. You know how many times I've, ro- I've rode the subway by myself, daytime, middle, middle of the day, evening. And there are all types of things that I see, literally. And I put it on Facebook as what I call a commuter chronicle. Because there's all kinds of dangers. You just got to be careful 
and and watch and pay attention to what you're doing. But as mayor, sure, you know, people know who you are, and, and you would have to be outright crazy to be out there by yourself now. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know, Shantice. You know, again, like uh, Lady Tamika just brought up, we did the we did the um the the news article where he was riding the train and not only was he surrounded, he had on a jacket that said, you know, he was the mayor. I'm like, yo, really? Is this really what we're doing now? Where he's just you know, now you're combating you're not combating anything because everybody like to me to say you everybody know who you are. So you weren't really getting the experience that the average writer does, but everything, everything that comes up, every subject that comes up, it's like an eye-opener, like, oh, is this really happening? I don't know. First of all, anybody checking for him, that's why he had to have the jacket on that said, I'm the mayor, or whatever it said. Anybody checking for him? You go on the train, anybody really looking like, oh, I wonder who I'm going to bump into on the train today? Like, stop. It's all for attention. Secondly, I agree with Lady Tamika. I ain't running for mayor. But I don't have to now go take the E-train to give you a synopsis of what it means to ride the subway. I've ridden the subway plenty of times for many, many years. There's no reason for me to now go, well, you know what, let me go buy this Metro car to go on and see what all the hoopla is about. No. But as you ladies was talking, I don't know how many of y'all watch Good Times. If you haven't, go watch it. It's streaming on Peacock, Prime, um, one of the other ones. He is like Alderman Davis. When he was running for office, and Florida <laughs> Evans and them could not stand him because it was just all about fame and popularity. He knew absolutely nothing. And when they ended up tricking him in a way, well, not tricking him, but setting him up to where he now had to stand face-to-face with the other person who was running for office against him, he had absolutely no answers for anything, like nothing. And it's like, so you did, like, you were, in a pain, you were not paying attention to regular life. And then on top of that, you did absolutely no research. You didn't go to do any insight or anything. How is it that you're trying to be in the forefront of this city? You're trying to be the leader of this city, and you don't even have a game plan when it comes to damage control. Like, we could sit here on this broadcast and in two hours come up with nine different ways and break down each way this could possibly get handled and resolved and so on and so forth. And it's like, what What do you do? But this just goes to show that nobody cares. It's just all about me building my land. I could care less about what's really going on. I could, I could care less about helping people. It's just about building the type of person and the rep I want to be and have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 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 Elder Natisha, everybody was all excited when they were voted. We going to get somebody on this side of the fence in the office. He has this. He's done that. He's been there. I have never seen in my life, if I, when I go back in my memory bank, of all of the mayors that have been in existence since I've been here and aware of what a mayor is supposed to do, I've never seen someone flop so quickly. 
it, it, I, so I have so many, so many different and varying and conflicting thoughts about about this particular conversation as it pertains to Eric Adams. One, because I think we get into uh, the difference between what it looks like um, to kind of step into a space, right, to view something from afar and to have a whole bunch of ideas um, you know, that, that just seem obvious. It's like, it just seems so obvious. Like, wh- why don't you know this? This is obvious until you step into the position and then you are faced with all of these boundaries and regulations and limitations and rules um, around what you can do and what you can. And, and, and so when you hear something so obvious and you hear someone say, oh, I didn't know. It, it, it's not that I, I didn't know from a normal perspective. It's I didn't really know the details. And I think what those of us who kind of look at, you know, these things from afar, we don't know the details, you know. And so when you hear a statement like, oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't know. What, what I'm saying is not that I did not know that this existed. I didn't know that this wasn't a problem. I'm not saying, you know what I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't grasp from it that, or my, or maybe I'm thinking, you know, higher of him than <laughs> than he is. But my my thought process is, you know, walking into a space. I know, and and can relate to what it feels like to walk into a space and then get bombarded with details, get bombarded with, and we can do this, but you can't do that. You can't say this, and you can't say that because from a national perspective and from a regional perspective, like there are all of there are this so much that's involved in a thing that you're like, child, I had no clue, even if I didn't know that this existed. So that's one perspective I have about that. The other perspective I have is that, you know, uh, it's something about when people of color enter into positions and we put, we have all of these expectations on them and then we are, we're able to, as a society, lend to the, the dominant system that would suggest that everything else has been better than this person of color. A person of color walks into a situation already with a mark against them because they are a person of color. And so then when we start then doing the comparison, then what we're we're saying is we're putting a black man up against uh, all of these other nationalities that may have come prior to him that have a privilege that he does not have. And so even when we think about our makeup, his arrogance is a put-on arrogance that he has to have for the position that he is in because everyone in the room is looking at him, waiting for him to fail, expecting for him to fail, right? Whereas the dominant culture can walk into the space and not have that, that same level of pressure. And so they can speak differently. They can move differently. They can even put on a facade of having some sense of, of, of knowing what the heck they're doing while they don't. <laughs> well, while they don't, which we eventually see when we look at the totality of their reign in the position. Meanwhile, the person of color walks into the position, there are all of these expectations, and then there's already, oh, he didn't say that right, oh, why would you say this? And look at how he's looking, and look at this, and look at this arrogance. It's, it, there's so much scrutiny. And it wasn't, and we're not just talking about him. I'm not specifically only talking about him, but this was done with Barack. This was done, like, this is done, the period, in America. And these individuals, you know, we just get to see it on a broader scale, but this is, it, it, this is done 
on a large scale, whether it is a person of color walking into a position, walking into CEO, walking into that, like whatever it is, there are these eyes, there is this scrutiny, there is this expectation that you are not going to measure up. And I, and I think that pressure can all sometimes cause you to fail, cause you to alter your character and personality in a way that really does set you up to be what they expected you to be. And I wonder if some of that is what we're seeing with Eric Adams. I just wonder. Well, I have to say in response that everything you have said I've considered because even when we go into a regular job, if a a person who was there before us was not one of us, oh, yeah, you walking up in there and all eyes are on you, you're being pressured, the expectation is different. This is at every single level. So I'm not taking away from any point you've made because one of the actual uh, comparisons that I made was the president and how I know for sure when he went up in there how people felt, what they were hoping for, what they did to maybe even pull a couple of pins out to help ensure that he failed. Oh, I absolutely, the first person that went into my mind was him because you were tackling a a feat that, you know, Jesse Jackson had tried and that ain't work and now ain't nobody thought you was going to work. So, yes, I do understand. I can't speak for the other ladies, but I have considered this issue of this is different from for you than it was from Giuliani and Bloomberg and you know all these other people. However, why we gotta um um and when I say we, I mean yes us. You know like you you, you gave a point to arrogance. Am I gonna walk up in here and say I don't know? I'm surprised, even though. I agree that, yeah, you know, from the outside, looking in is always one thing. But when you want to, and again, that is linked to life itself. You know, everybody want to be married, Elder Natisha. Oh, Elder Natisha has a beautiful marriage. Her and, the, you know, uh, uh, Minister Greg, you know, they've been married for 21 years. And I want to be, they don't know what y'all they went through. They don't know what he has gone through as a husband, as a, as, as a father, what you've gone through as a wife, a mother, but on the outside, everybody thinks that this marriage thing is something that they can handle. However, do everything. I, when, when I make this statement that I make this morning, every single topic that has come up in the news that we have addressed, he always seems to be behind and regardless of whoever went in and made it look, you know, um, um, or, or they didn't say, oh, it was hard. Well, you know what? You ain't got a business walking up in there talking about that. Out for this position. You can't go out for the position, and then when you get the position, you're going to sit there and talk about, well, I didn't realize it was like that. We shouldn't have to hear that. We already understand that it is going to, they're going to kick your behind when you get up in there. Oh, you better believe they're going to kick your butt just because you're on this side of the fence. Everything you said, I absolutely agree with. 
However, do I walk into a position and now I publicly look like something because I've literally spoken out loud? Now, if I go home and I say to Shanti, Shawnee said to me, girl, I didn't think this job was going to be like this. Or do I put it out there? For, because that's, again, that's all they're waiting for. So am I supposed to look at you any differently? Every single thing that has been in the paper, he's come up short. Same way with other people, yeah. But they just look bad at it. I'm sorry. They just look bad at it. And they were a mess also. They couldn't wait to get this other one out. I can't remember his name. The one right before him. No, the one right before him. I can't think of his, I can't think of his name. De Blasio, thank you. De Blasio. They couldn't wait to get him up out of here. Because he was such a mess. But what do we look like? Do we do we wear it differently? You know, do we... Because uh, I'm sorry. I have not seen where... And it has nothing to do, even do with him being black or white. But my thing is, it just lends to be worse when it is one of us. It's almost like you didn't went in there complaining. That's the way it comes across to me with all that has been said by all the ladies. That's the way it's coming across to me, that this is going there. I know they're going to whip your behind, but you know what? Take it like a champ. Do what you got to do. I know you're going to go home crying. You might even sit at that desk and cry. You might even throw stuff off the desk. I ain't even going to be mad if you had a breakdown of five. But we, there's a certain level that every time, it, 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 and, and again, we go to, well, you know, of course, they're going to show the bad times and not the better times. We got, you know, that is well, you know, all well taken as well. You know, the media makes things look 10 times worse than what it is. You know, they have a, a, a job of, they just like to tear you down, period. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. For me, you know, like I said, even with the Rikers Island situation, it was just like, oh, you know, give me a chance. Well, everything is like you went in and it's like, what were you ready for? What were you ready for? Everything is a, the biggest challenge to you. So I, I don't know. I don't know, ladies. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I like to get a quick response. As Elder Natisha was speaking, I started envisioning her at the this past breast cancer awareness walk and how everything, she was right at the helm of all of the organizing, the prepping, um, setting up, breaking down the duration of, and I grew up around that. I grew up around watching projects and everything be built up and it's starting small and gradually getting bigger and the behind the scenes stuff and you know, and then God allowing me to then have my own event. And I, I remember calling my mother like, I'm about to drive my car off this bridge so I can take these people. Everybody want to act like they dope and they can do this, but can't nobody sell tickets and da 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 da. And one of the main things that came across was the responsibility. Everyone wants the title, but nobody wants the responsibility. And I am one of the people who I don't hear nothing about no politics. It just gives me a headache because everybody just ends up getting on my nerves. However, everything I have heard regarding him there has been nothing to say well i tried this but it failed so now i gotta come up with another plan me and my team have to sit and come up with another plan and it's a true testament as to how we live our lives on a regular we we fight to get these positions whatever the position is but then when you get it you do nothing 
and then you get mad when people look at you like, well, you shouldn't have had this. No, I should. Okay, well, tell me what it is that you did. I see nothing coming from what you did, and especially people my age and younger, it really has to stand out that these are things you have to do before you even start running for office. How do you do damage control in your life? If you have a family, how do you take care of, of um, fights and arguments within your family? What, what kind of systems do you come up with? Because I have not, even something as simple as you want to train, like they typically say, you want to train and you wear a jacket that says, I'm the mayor. See, stuff like that sticks out to me. I don't, why are you bringing all of this? So you want attention on yourself in that way. But now when it comes to, okay, Mayor Adams, how are we going to resolve this? You sitting there looking over at the next person. You, you have to be ready to take ownership when things fail. You have to be ready. You know, there, are, there will be times you may have to say, well, listen, I need help with this guy. I can't because I, I, that's what I also thought kind of stuff. We don't need to hear that you don't know. I, then we might as well have picked somebody else. Or oh, there should be no one as a mayor right now. It's just, okay, this seat is just vacant right now, whatever duration the mayors have. This seat is just vacant because we have not found anyone who we deem worthy enough to, to have this but. You know, being around ladies like y'all and watching y'all in action, it just really shows me how much I have to be on my game when I go to God and say, this is what I would like to do, God. I'm going to have to show you first before I try to pursue something because you love me enough to stop me. Like, listen, you ain't ready for that. So before you bring shame to my name and make yourself look crazy, I'm going to just put you at a standstill right now until you can show me that you're willing to do X, Y, and Z, but he, he just looks like a complete flop. He, 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 to me, he's just so useless and pointless. And anytime I hear his name right now, it's just like you're talking about one of the people that live in the subway. He's like, okay, why are we talking about him? Because he ain't doing nothing. It, it, and it's like, okay, so now for you to have to bypass him to go to the governor, it, it's, you really have to sit and think about what you yourself as a man, or if there was a woman in this position, what am I doing to now show the people who voted for me that this is why I was worthy in having this seat? Okay, thank you, thank you. You know, I, I, I want I want to say you you started talking about something, Shantika. I wanted to say, um, and I left this out purposely, but I'm going to say this to you directly, Elder Nitusha. I admire you greatly. You know, I've watched you, you know, you said to me a, a, a while ago, you said, you know, I've, I've received two promotions during the time in, a, let's say, of a session, um, at least two, at least two, if I can remember correctly. I apologize if I'm, 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 I'm missing something. But you are a woman, never let them see you sweat. And and I from afar I have admired you because I'm like yo she is taking on all of this responsibility and she just it, it just doesn't she don't look frazzled she don't look like she pull her hair out at all she's all it, it's it's just you know and I don't care what's happening it's happening in your home you could have the worst home in the world we have yet to see it we're not supposed to see it. But we would understand if we did see it. So I guess maybe, again, like Shantith, I'm looking at, okay, like that's why I said even Barack, where I said, you know, we watched this man's hair go straight to white. <laughs> we didn't see. I mean, we looked at, we laughed at this. I'm like, ooh, he didn't look like this 
four years ago, eight years ago. But, I, you know, it, when, when, when I was talking, you were, and I didn't say, I purposely didn't say anything to target anybody. But that's what I'm looking for. Go back to Tamika's um, um, instance of riding the train. So here you are. You want us to, to um, you know, you, you went in initially, your initial statement was, well, there should, nobody should have any fear riding the train. I rode the train. Well, you didn't ride the train like everybody else. You didn't ride the train and took your chances and said, well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to hope and pray like everybody else who rides this train that, you, you know, that I don't get attacked. And I'll have my detail, like, kind of afar. No, you didn't go in like that. You went in already showing who you are. Who's going to bother you? with people around you, who's going to bother you while you got the big layer uh, embroidered on your jacket? If you want to show us what you're about and you really see that there's something wrong, first of all, how would you even be able to say that there was nothing wrong with the train system? You felt the train system was safe. Well, we, the train system ain't been safe in decades, but it's gotten progressively worse now. We haven't seen it at this level in years. So I, I think, you know, unfortunately, that's what we're, that, that's what's seen. That's what's seen. And, and you know, it may seem as though, you know, you're beating up, you know, on, on people and things like that. And, and if that's the case, it's, I don't know how else to put it. But, you know, it, it's, it, 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 we, we know you're going to have some problems. But come on, come on. Let, let, let's handle this a little bit differently. I'm mad because we just spent all our time here. And I want to get to our stories. Now, there's two stories that brought to us. And there was one where the 12-year-old stabs her brother, nine, in the middle of the night and wakes the parents up and tells them, hey, excuse me, I stabbed my brother. Now, again, there's no detail. So we can't, um, you know, speak to, you know, maybe what her issue was or whatever the situation is, but unfortunately the nine-year-old is no longer here at the hands of his 12-year-old sister. Now, was there complaints before and parents didn't pay no attention to it? Were there things that they watched? We don't even know. Then you have the story that Vivian brought of the 21-year-old woman who had only been with this young man for five months, and already they were living together, and because we don't give this opportunity to learn these people, you know, you move in with him. You don't know his psyche. You don't know how he handles difficulties. You don't know how he, you know, if he could keep a job. Not in no five months, you don't know these things. And unfortunately, you know, this is, this is what she met, you know, um, with her father, you know, where he says that if he had a chance to do it again, he would not only do it again the same way, but he would kill her father. So, you know, this just lends to how we're involved without, you know, doing our homework, without giving it the proper, proper time. So here's what we're going to do. What, I'll, what we'll do is we'll, it's up to you ladies which um, story you want to talk about. Um, and with John Chantis, we ended up with you starting first. Oh, I'll go with the the young lady who got killed. Um, 
really stuck out to me as well because this is an issue I had of um, just always wanting to be in a relationship. You know, it was just like, okay, I'll, you know, and a lot of times, well, there were times where the person wasn't brand new to me, you know, we were probably cool, like really cool for us for a nice amount of time, and then we decided to start, you know, let's start dating and really bypass the real dating stage and say, okay, now we just officially go together. Um, and now, you know, God is really showing us how drastic it really is, you know, because we've always heard stories here and there about people, you know, killing their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. And now it's like he's really allowing us to see what he's really trying to protect us from. And when he says, take your time, don't move. Okay, now it's time to move. It's time to make this decision. Don't make that decision. But yet we still push. And, you know, again, we don't know if there may have been things. But just thinking in five months, not only, you know, are we probably saying, okay, we're real serious in five months, but I moved in. Like, that's a lot. I'm literally taking my belongings and either brought them to your place or you brought yours to mine or we both moved out of our place and into a common space in five months. There's just, like, no time for any... I'm just memorizing your phone number in five months. Like, how are we now? And whatever, you know, was this your first argument? And now you're thinking, so I, I really 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 see this as God is showing you this is why you have to let me tell you when to move and when to be still because God knows our hearts God knows our thought process he knows what we can and can't handle but yeah we still try to tell him no you're wrong because I can't handle this and he's just like okay let me show you what you really can't handle and now unfortunately this and for him to say I want to kill I will kill the father. Also, it's like, what has gone on between those five months that her father was probably involved in? Did he try to stand in between them moving and getting together? It's just really just showing why God is like, I just need everybody to just chill for a second and let me tell you when to move. Because I, I'm i pretty sure she really didn't see that coming. Even if she saw, okay, well, I have to move out. But who, who then now wants to do that? And I feel like a lot of people now are making moves just so they can say, I did it. It's like it doesn't matter if you say, okay, well, what if it doesn't work out? Okay, well, at least I've done it. Well, at least I've lived with a boyfriend. At least I've, it's like, but why? Why should you just want to have that to say? Now you can't say anything because you're not here. Because we just really have to pay attention to how God is telling us to move and when. All righty, all righty. Uh, we're going to go to Lady Tanika first, um, of Nikesha, um, because she's on limited time. Uh, Lady Tamika, what you got? Which 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 uh, story are you tackling? I'm going to go with the uh, sibling stabbing. Um, you know, I, I, the sad part about that whole thing, like, you know, you don't know whether there was an issue before, you know, that um, went um, unresponded to. You know, were you angry? Did you, was there a jealousy thing, you know, between the siblings? We, we, we've talked about that a while back, whereas, you know, siblings, there's this rivalry, you know, and was it one of those things where you're angry, you're so angry, you, you, you took a knife and you stabbed him, and then you realize, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I didn't really, I, I, I don't want to kill him, so let me call mom and dad, and, and, and you know, y'all come to the right, they can fix it, they can fix it, you know. Um, he won't be broken, you know. I don't know what the mentality of this young lady is. Was she very, very smart? You know, was she, you know, a little um, 
uh, a little not as advanced as everyone else. So, you know, we, we have to look at the dynamics of the household, you know, the child, the relationship between the siblings, the relationship between the parents and the children. You know, it's really hard to tell, you know, but on the average, what child thinks about literally, I mean, okay, fine. They may angry, anger you as siblings, you know, but you don't really come through with it. You know, you may fling. I, I'll be honest. You know, as a child, my brother got, you know, we got into this disagreement, and I threw a cup at him, and it hit the side of his head, and I didn't think about it at the time when I did it. He had just had stitches in his head before then, so when I threw the cup at his head, it split the stitches, and we ended up having to go to the doctor. You know, so what actually happened? Were you thinking about it? You know, I, I can't really say, you know, so my heart goes out to the family because now, you know, they have a child that's gone. She, you know, she has a sibling that's gone. You know, what is her mental status? We talked about people that um, ended the life of somebody else. Now, what are you thinking about? How do you feel? Is there any type of remorse? Um, you know, if, if we could get follow-up, I would love that. But nine times out of ten, we'll only get that piece and then that's done. All righty, all righty. Thank you so much. Uh, Elden Tisha, which... Story, are you addressing this morning? You know, I, I mean, I, I, if it's okay with you, I would just like to just kind of summarize the the whole situation, like with both of these, right? The Bible tells us that God is love, and when we wander away from the love of God, we are lost. And when we are lost, we find ourselves in darkness, and that's where you see murder. That's where you see siblings killing siblings, and you're trying to figure out, well, what took place in that home? It's when you see a woman invite a stranger to be a part of her life, because in five months, he is still a stranger. When we are in darkness, we cannot see the dangers that are lurking in the darkness. And so I think as a close, it it would be wise for us to just simply encourage all of those who are listening to be aware of the cracks that are in our spaces, to be aware of the places and spaces where the enemy has a foothold. So whether it's in in our hearts, in our emotions, in our desire, in our wanting companionship so bad, whether it is in our home, whether it is with our children, whether it is us not realizing what is taking place in our home and the type of foothold the enemy has in our home, we have got to be aware of the cracks in our in, in, in us and in our spaces so that we can ward off the enemy. And this is why we invite you week after week to, 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 to be a part of the kingdom of God so that we can fight back darkness and that we can at least illuminate light in places where the enemy hides. So I mean, that's, that's the encouragement that we would invite Christ in so that his light can shine and illuminate in the darkness and we can see the cracks within our spaces, within ourselves, and within our homes. All righty, all righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, ladies, for always doing a fantastic job. The stimulating conversations go on and on and on, and we pray that you have a blessed day. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a blessed day, ladies. Thank you. Thank Have you. Have a blessed day, everyone.
All righty. Well, it's the top of the Wednesday morning, and you know what comes next. We have our Pastor Charlotte with her Faith Over Fear segment. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning, good morning. Now let the church say amen, and now we can all go home. We done did the benediction and all. (laughs) Amen. All right, Pastor Charlotte, we have gone through a plethora of conversations today. And um, I'm going to leave it open. I'm going to leave it open like I left the ladies the ability to speak on what they wanted to speak on and to to give us the faith over fear um, concept of whatever particular conversation you choose this morning. Um, um, let's see. Okay, let's do the relationship for five months. A lot of times, um, which it has been stated, that, you know, people go into desperation and for whatever reason, um, they feel that they need someone that's clock is ticking. We've heard that before. Um, we've heard where that people are lonely and I'd rather have a half a man than no man. Um, so a lot of those things that we have heard and with that women, and once again, not just women, men do the same as well, that they need somebody or they don't have no place to live. You know, um, they could be, I won't live in somebody else's house. And then they need some place to live or financially, right? So it can be those things or something even more, right, of being able to be a stalker, right? So, and you don't know that at the time. So you meet this person, you, and for five months, you're dating this person, um, but you never ask questions. You might not have never been to see where they live. And a lot of times people have lied so much that you think that, they, you know, that's my cousin, really don't be, you know, my sister live with me, right? So when you don't do the homework of a person and you're fast and you run into moving with them, you don't see that person. How many of us that has been married and still learning new things about their spouses? Right. So when you have to be able to know and allow God to come in and to direct you and to let you know, is this the person for me? A lot of times women want to chase and that's not our position. We're supposed to be able, when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing, right? Not us being able to chase after him. And in the process of that, don't be thirsty. I don't know if they still say that, Shanti, but don't be thirsty and um, be able to jump in something, right? So where we come in is doing that, it becomes danger, not only to us, because you stated that he stated that his, I will kill the father too. So you already know that if he's trying to kill us as the female, and now you're trying to take out the family, too. So if she had children, that means you will wipe out them as well, right? So now in the process of that, where does the mindset of the people being scared 
um, in your family and your friends because you're talking to someone. And sometimes we don't tell it all. And we hide the fear. We hide the abuse. We hide that um, we bring him out because he's on good behavior in front of people, but you're not showing the actual person. I always say we meet the representative before we meet the real person, right? Because you pull out the whole red carpet and make you look like something. You're still doing that in five months. So ladies and gentlemen, be able to do the homework, be able to, to do the pop-ups, being able to meet the friends, seeing how he's treating other people, and knowing what you are receiving, and knowing that when he says something, that he has to be able to stand to what he says that he is. How many times that people have went to somebody's job, they say that they work such and such, and they don't. You know, so my thing is for you is to do your homework and being able to know. Don't move five months. Don't move five months. Get to know them. The first year, you're still learning each other. Take the second year. Then you know what you want to do from there and being able to show what you have that is important and being able to I always fall back to God. Trust that instinct. God gives us that. And we're, that we're able to know. Something ain't right. How many times we got on here, show red flags. How many times we all got on here and told our own personal lives. Listen to what we're saying. This is something that can be, can be avoided from your situation and getting you in the place because nowadays they are killing more than ever that we are hearing. We wasn't, not that they weren't killing people before, but more than ever today. And you get into a position and you can't get out. Don't be visiting, being able to keep it public for the, as long as possible because you don't know. So many people who have mental issues nowadays, it's so scary that you don't even know. And that's why you got to stay covered in the blood. You got to continue to call on the Lord. If the Lord tell you to go to the right and you want to go to the left, you better follow God. Trust him. Believe in the Lord and ask him, is this the person for me? Before you even go out, before you even go out, take that time out and spend with God and take that instant that he put inside us, which is the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost lead it. Let him lead you. Everybody on here does not believe in God. That's on this this, um, broadcast. So you got to be able to know, God, talk to him. He'll speak back to you. Let the Holy Ghost lead you or that instant that you call it. Let him lead you. If he feels something's not right, trust and believe it probably is not right. And he will show yeah. you and he will guide you. He will guide you. We sometimes get in, the, in our own way. Stop getting in the way. And let God lead you into his way and to be able to know. Because a lot of times it would avoid a lot. It would avoid a lot of hurt, pain, and you still be able to tell the story. Everybody don't get out. But you could be that one to get out and to be able to help somebody else. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Charlotte for that faith over fear word that you gave us today. 
And we pray that you have a blessed day. You all have the same. God bless you. Thank you. Ah, let's get that benediction before we go any further. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. First Timothy 1, 17. Uh, Elder Natisha kind of stole my summary uh, this morning. Uh, Pastor Charlotte started to step up in the sand. But um, one of my thoughts was, you know, we are speaking to a dying world. You know, this, this broadcast is, has become one morning by morning by morning by morning. We're, we're speaking to a dying world. We're speaking um, of people who may not have been, even been introduced to God, um, who may have but have rejected. Um, but what we do know is um God is, his quest is to bring each and every one of us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And every one of us on here um, have had, we've had our turning moment where we were ministered to. And, you know, it wasn't the time yet. And, you know, when somebody was giving us the word and we weren't, you know, ready for it yet, we still had to, quote, unquote, live our life. Um, and and that's what I think about when I think about the the the, the young lady, um, you know, who in 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 a short period of time, for whatever the reason is, we don't know whether you know there was something that kind of drove her into that, you know, into the arms of or into you know I got to move out and move in with, and we 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 don't have any understanding or concept of how she got there in five months. However, here's where I said, you know, also Elder Natisha stepped in. I say in my prayer consistently, thank you, God, for investing in us. Because God says by the time he wraps up everything, everyone would have had an opportunity and we, God kept knocking on our door, and we answered, finally. I think about the fact that he is still, even though we, you know, we claim him, even though we call ourselves Christians, he is still investing. He is still knocking on that door. So that we will continue to be drawn to him. And when you think about some of the bad decisions that we make, even after we have claimed Christ as our personal Savior, and you're looking like, what in the world? Um, when the Holy Spirit has been given and you still are making those bad decisions, then you look at, people who have never, um, you know, gotten the opportunities that we have gotten and, and how they end up, excuse me, end up being like, oh, yeah, I can see it. Because we ourselves come from making bad decisions. 
you know, God just kept knocking at the door and finally we just decided to answer. And when we are on here every day, we are encouraging. We are reminding the listener, whether they are live listening and they're streaming or later will download any particular um, episode. We are always encouraging, try Jesus. Try Jesus. We're talking to you from experience. We're not speaking to you as people who, you know, didn't know um, and never knew. And when we did know, we did it right all the time. No. We're talking from, you know, Pastor K.L., point the phrase, my former life, well, sometimes we're talking even in the present life. It's, it's easy to say my former life because that gives inference to, I don't do that stuff anymore. And yet, here we are still doing some of the things that we have no business doing. And we encourage you all the time that if you don't know God, we've been there. If you haven't tried Jesus, we've been there. But what makes the change and why we get that faith over fear segment every week is because there's mainly a fear of I won't live, I can't live, I won't be happy if I accept Jesus or if I start living for God. My life, you know, I've had so many people say, I just want to live first. And when you think about a, a person who was in this relationship for five months, who was living with this person for five, she probably felt she was living. She was out on her own doing, you know, stuff that she uh, wanted to do. She didn't have to answer to nobody. She was living. And we're here every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday live. And we're blessed enough to have this on demand. We are encouraging you every day to try something you may have never tried before. We are encouraging you to step into a zone you may have never stepped into before and just just, just taste and see that the Lord good. We're here to encourage you each and every day that we know what it is to be crying and upset and down and feel hopeless. But when we try Jesus and we see the difference in our life, we're here to encourage you that I don't care what anybody else promises you that they will do. The Bible tells us that man will fail us all the time, but Jesus never fails. We know you don't know what this is about. We know you don't know what we're talking about. What I'm encouraging you to do is to give it a try. We know you won't go wrong. I always say to people, now you done tried all this stuff already, and you see this ain't working. Something that you've never tried before, that how many people can attest to that 
made the difference. We were all where you are. We're all where you are. We decided to just touch the hem of that garment and we saw that it made a difference. We're here to encourage you five days a week live. Come on. As I say for the prayer um, project, come on. Come on in the room. Come on in the room and give Jesus a try. You know, we, 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 we talk. We talk. And we, we, we talk harsh sometimes. I know I do. Sometimes. But trust me when I tell you, you didn't got it the passive way. You didn't got it the little, the little, the lily white way. Come on, try Jesus. You know he makes a difference. No, we're not there anymore. We're not there anymore because see the enemy is making a lot of noise. The enemy is coming out strong. The enemy is coming out loud. That's why he's getting all the attention because we're too quiet over in the corner talking about what well, I know. I know God, but you know I don't know what to say when people say, "What do you mean? You don't know what to say?" If God has done something in your life, if He if He has changed your life, you have every bit to say. God has been investing in you for such a time as this. So when someone is in your face or when someone gets an opportunity to hear what you've been through, make it work. Make it right. That someone can actually hear your testimony and say to themselves, wow, wow. If God can do that for her, if God can do that for him, I talk about the fact that my home was almost taken from me twice, twice, twice. One at $88,000, one at one hundred, over $100,000. Now, to the average person, I remember hearing people, women, a woman killed herself when a home went into foreclosure. I'm telling you, I was a day before my house was going to go on off on the auction block. God. God. So see, when I come out strong and loud and hard, I know, I know what faith do and how it can turn everything around. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And that is our testimony today. That's how we are going to make a difference and help to change your life today. Try it. Try Jesus. You've tried everything else and everything has failed. And it's, it's sad that we can say we didn't try everything else before we tried Jesus. But if that's the route you've gone, it's okay. Because that's why God is still giving you breath today need you to try him so that he can make the change in your life. Oh, I'm well into the time that I'm closing, so I will say again, please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now, or please strengthen that relationship with God right now, because later is not promised to us. Until tomorrow, where it's Therapeutic Thursday, God spare our life, I love you.